Welcome to the podcast of New Creation Christian Center. I am Pastor Marquise Franklin, and I am excited that you would take the time to listen to our latest sermons and what God is doing in this ministry. New Creation Christian Center is in Seattle, led by Pastor Harold and Annis Franklin. And our statement is, come as you are and be transformed by the word of God, as stated in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Now, I don't know what you're going through, but I want you to be encouraged by the word of God that is going to be shared today. Check it out and share it with somebody that may need it. Now, let's get into this week's message. The message today. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for giving us insight, truth, and revelation. We thank you, Lord God, that you continue to open up your word to us, that there is no end to the revelation that we can receive as we sit at your feet and listen to your word. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help me to speak the word that you gave me and help us to hear it with the ears that you want us to hear it with and then help us to do what it is that you want us to do. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. So, we we talked about earlier how God has created the human race as male and female in his image and when you when it comes to relationships and we have to take that same understanding about the order of creation god made man and woman in his image amen that includes all humans No matter what race, color, nation, we all have the same origin and image of God. And it's important to say that because a lot of times, historically, um, I was looking for, um, I don't know if you you guys have been around long enough, but back in the, the, a while ago, there were three categories of races. One, they were called the Caucasoid group. The second was the Mongoloid. And then the third was the Negroid. Those were the only categories that science had come up with as relates to racial groups. Now, the, the interesting thing that even though you would think Caucasoid meant white and Mongoloid meant Asian. It had also some variations in it. So, and I think the Indian people, the people from India, were considered of the Caucasoid family, which, of course, if you look at some of the Indians, they're darker than some of us. And uh, so it's an interesting categorization, but later on that was abandoned because most of it was designed to figure out who was more advanced than the other and that's been the problem when men try to categorize groups they always try to put one group over another but we always have to if we're going to have relationships that are meaningful we have to approach every relationship with the understanding that every human being on the face of this earth is created in the image of God and we bear his image now let me let me say this because a lot of times people say this about creation 
or about people, especially people that are born with illnesses. Um, you know, somebody comes and they're, they have a deformity or they don't have everything that the, the vast majority of us have. And people say stuff like, well, God created him like that. Have you guys have heard that, right? That's not true. God created Adam and Eve and Adam and Eve, because of the fall, are the procreators of humankind. God is not individually creating everybody. Amen? Does everybody understand this? Because this is important. The seed of the man, that's why God told Adam not to eat of the tree. The seed of the man brought forth the life that exists today. But when the seed was corrupted... Then you come out with deformities, with shortcomings, with infirmities. Some people are not necessarily born with, with a, a disability, but some are, are born with certain illnesses. Those are not God-given illnesses. Creation has now been polluted, just like everything else, by the fall of man. So when somebody is born with an ailment, a sickness, or a disease, or a condition, we need to stop saying, well, God made him that way. That's not the way God created him. God created them to be whole and well. So we have to understand, So, but even though that they were created to be that way, and they were not created to be that way, but they still are image bearers of God. Amen? And the reason I say that is because we're getting to the place now where people are wanting to abort the disabled. We, you know, as, as and I didn't want to really get into this, and I'm not going to really get into this, but there's laws that have been passed lately that gives you the right to, quote, abort your child even after birth. So that means if you don't like the way the child came out, you can get rid of it. That's not recognizing that every human being has an image of God imprinted in them. Amen? So the important thing about us is to remember not color, not nationality, not race, but God's image is what is important. And I've said this many, many times. The reason why you can say that about the human race is because you can mix the races and the race will continue. Am I right? Everybody knows there's, there's different racial marriages. And it doesn't stop the procreation cycle because everybody has, has the image of God that's a human. So, and so what, what is it, does it mean to have the image of God? Now, the, the interesting thing about this, as I was going through this, the word for image in Hebrew is the same word for image as an image that they worshiped. So get this now. So God says that we are his image, but he also commanded that nobody make any other image to worship. Now put those two together is because God is the only one that makes images 
and the image needs to look and act like him. And he know, we know that a statue can't talk, can't speak, can't do anything. That's why it's so an abominable thing to try and say that God can be worshipped by, through an image, an idol, a statue. Are you with me on this? So it's so important to understand that we resemble God. We don't necessarily, because God is spirit. So we don't really know what God's physical appearance looks like. We won't know that until we get to heaven. But we're supposed to represent him. We're supposed to act like him. We're supposed to uh, demonstrate him in the earth as his image bearer. And we're supposed to treat people like God treats people. Amen? It's, it's like we are the shadow of the true. What's a shadow do? He does everything the image, the, the actual person that is from, that causes the shadow to be cast. The shadow doesn't go right when the, the person goes left. The shadow doesn't stand up when the person is sitting down. No, the shadow stands up when the person stands up, right? I mean, the shadow doesn't have a mind. It does what the one who, who is the shadow represents does. And that's what we're supposed to do as God's people. So relationships start off with understanding whose and what we represent. And the basis of all relationship starts off with the respect of the individuals because of everybody's image made, excuse me, made in the image of God. This is so important because it means that male, female, different groups have to be respected because they hold the image of God. Now think about this. If we operated like this, we wouldn't have prejudice. And I'm talking about the church now. We, we can't control those that don't want to do what God wants, that wants us to do. But in the church, there would not be a difference between anything because we understood that we bear the image of God. This is why it was so important when God intervened in the earth and sent his son because he tried, he, he, he tried to get humans to understand and he says it in the scripture, there's now no more male nor female, Jew or Gentile, but they're all one in Christ Jesus. Say, we're all one in Christ Jesus. So if we're one, how can we be divided? And that's the challenge of the church. Let me go to a couple passages. Let's go to Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. First Samuel 16 verse 7 says this, if it'll come up, <laughs> there we go, says this, 
But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at the appearance or at his physical stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as men, man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but God, the Lord looks at the heart. Everything humans do is outwardly. We look at, if I were to walk into a place dressed like this, I would get a certain response. If I took off my suit and just put on rags, I'd get another response. Why? Because people look on the outward appearance. That's why it's so important to look at, try to discern the heart of everybody because it's the, the Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. But also it says out of the heart spring forth the issues of life. That's in Proverbs. So it's the heart that tells us, not the outside. But we're so caught up on the outside. We don't like a certain group of people because of their color. We have to, as a church especially, stop that. See, if the church would embrace the truth of God's revelatory creation, the church could be what Jesus said, showing the world how to act so that they can know that the Father sent me. Because what did he say? He says, they'll know me by the what? The love that you show one to another. Amen? So if the church got this right, the world can look at us and say, that's how it's supposed to be done. <laughs> but unfortunately, the church has been just as guilty as the world. Amen? Because we don't remember that we're all created in the image of God. Let me go to Acts 10.9, which is the story of um, Cornelius. And, the, and even, even the religious people, and, and that's, of course, that includes the church, but even in the, the day when Jesus came, the Jewish people really had an issue with Gentiles and did not believe that the Gentiles could be equal to them. Amen? I mean, that's why we go through this big to-do about Peter going to Cornelius and talking to them. And he was called on the carpet for it. <laughs> he said, you, you, you went to the Gentiles and ate with them. <laughs> and then, but then verse 9, 10, before he was summoned, the next day as they went on the journey and drew near, Peter went up to, on the house. Well, let me move down. I just want to get to this. And verse 13 says, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And the voice spoke to him again the second time. What God has cleansed, you must not call common. And we know that that revelation, Peter later says that that was to Cornelius for him to see God as God saw Cornelius, as a man in need of salvation. That's how we're supposed to see people. Now, when it comes to relationships, and this is, like I said, this is not a, a marriage thing, but God created male and female, right? 
the man and the woman are supposed to what? They're supposed to get married. Everybody say get married. Not sleep together before they're married. Amen? I know this is not popular anymore, but this is the way he created it. Male and female get married. They mutually respect each other. The husband is supposed to what? Love the wife, right? As who? As Christ loved the church. And then the wife is supposed to respect and honor her husband as the head of her or have as Christ is the head of the church. So there's supposed to be this mutual respect, love, and admiration going from male to female. Then they have children. Everybody say married people have children. So once the children come, the Bible says fathers do not exasperate or make your children, provoke your children to wrath in some versions. But it also says, children, obey your parents. Amen? So this is the cycle. And then from there, the, 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 the family becomes a community because you have grandparents and all that. And then all work together to keep the unity of the unit. But why, the reason why we have so much chaos is because the world does not want to follow the plan that God laid out. We have people, and look, I, this, we're all, I'm guilty of this as just as much as anybody. We have sex out of wedlock. We have children. The men don't raise the children. The mom is left all, all to raise the children. The why, kids hate the father because he hasn't been there and creates a, a hatred for all authority figures. And so then you have chaos on the streets because this person doesn't appreciate or obey authority because they didn't follow the plan of relationships set in order by God. And it's, and it's quite really that quite simple. It's that simple. If... The, and and that, this is not to mean that just because you, a, a father is there to raise the child that you won't, a child won't do things wrong. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a testimony to that's not being true. But what it does do is it constrains you to a place, hopefully until when you get to an age, you realize I ought not to be doing this kind of stuff. There comes a time in a young person's life that they get to the place where they say, I want to do the right thing. And it only comes because you've been taught right. That's what the Bible means by train up a child <clears throat> in the way that they should go so that in the end, they will not depart from it. At some point in their life, they come to themselves like the prodigal son and they realize I ought to not live like this. I can live better and I can go back to my father's house. Not in his case, it was physical father, but in our case, it's our heavenly father. So God created relationships to mimic that order. And everything he, he designed came out of the two that he created. That's why we can all trace our lineage back to two people, every human being. 
We're just halfway through this sermon, but our prayer is that God is already speaking a dynamic word to you personally. But don't keep it to yourself. We need you to testify. We want to hear what God is doing. Give us a call or text us at 425-686-8197 to let us know what God is doing. If you're on Facebook, contact us at facebook.com slash new That's why we can all trace or on lineage back to two people. WA. Now, Every let's tune in being. for the second half of this sermon. And then the second thing that the Bible talks about in relationships is do not show, be partial. Everybody be safe. Don't be partial. Now, we don't use that word as much today, but what does the word partial mean? Partial means biased or prejudiced in favor of a person, group, or side. <laughs> and all we think it means just favor. Well, that's the same thing. If you change the word partial from for discriminate, and then you have the modern word. Don't be discriminatory. Don't favor one over the other. And let me, let's go through a couple of passages here. Uh, James chapter 2 verse 1. Say, this is what the church believes. Say it like you meant it. This is what the church believes. It says, verse 1, James chapter 2. My brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with what? With partiality. For if there should come to you, and he just used the example, I use the example that he uses, somebody dressed up nicely and one did not dressed up, one is favored, the other is not. Verse, let's jump down to verse 9. Actually, it started eight. If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. This is what Precious was quoting while she was praying. You do well. But if you show partiality, everybody read that with me. You commit sin. Say it together. You commit sin. Uh-oh. You mean showing partiality is a sin? How many have said that out loud? <laughs> so if you're partial, you're sinning. And you need to what? When you sin, you need to repent. You need to turn away from what you're partial towards. You have to learn to do things the way God wants us to do them. And to finish that verse, and you're, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors which is just another way of saying you committed sin. So what does that mean? That means that we have to learn to love people, as he said, as ourself. And we, we've heard this a lot, and we know this passage, but there is, and I didn't get this passage, but there is a, a passage in the Old Testament that tells the children of Israel not to hate the Egyptians. And it says this, and I'll have to get it. Maybe somebody can get it for me. But it says, don't hate the Egyptians because you were slaves in their country. <laughs> Isn't that a shocking? So he tells them not to hate those 
that enslaved them. I, I, you, know, you know where I'm going, right? <laughs> so God does not justify hatred even though you've been mistreated. Say that with me. God does not justify hatred even though you've been mistreated. My gosh, if we would get this, we could be free. Because what? He who the Son has set free is free indeed. You see, God wants us to learn how to love people regardless of who and what they are. But love them because he, his image is in them. I mean, we have people that hate women because they're women. Am I right? We have women who hate men because they're men. And it's, it's just, you can't be one without the other. Man needs woman, woman needs man. It, it, it doesn't work without each other. Huh? We, have, have we lost that simple truth? Men and women have to learn to get along or this thing won't work? Huh? But God wants us to understand, and then let's go to 1 John 4, 2, 20, excuse me, which is the next book over. Oh, no, it's not. Sorry. Verse 20, most of us know this one. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. <laughs> I mean, they, he just didn't pull any words. He says, you are lying. Your know, kids love to say that. She's lying. He's lying. <laughs> but God, here... The Holy Spirit is saying, if you say, I love God and hate your brother, you're, you're lying. Or if you use the words of James, you're committing sin. And he says, for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can you love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. And this is the same thing. They're just repeating the same thing and they're just saying it in a different way. Relationships start with respect. Now, the important thing about respect, though, respect does not mean that everything a group does is equally equivalent. You guys remember that term equivalent from math? That means they are the same. Huh? Kayla? <laughs> So that means if, if a culture worships a, a God that is not the God of heaven, their worship is not equal to the Bible, but their humanity is the same. Are you with me here? So every, every, every religion is not equal. Every action or attitude or things that people do are not equal, but it doesn't take them out of the category of image bearers. And what has happened in many, many circles is that because people have worshipped gods that are not the, the one and true God, they then have been 
demoralized or dehumanized to be less than, and that's why we, where we get the term heathen from. The heathen part refers to who they worship, but not who they are. Say that with me. It refers to who they worship, but not who they are. See, the, the, and see, this is how we reach people with the gospel that serve other gods. You don't kill them personally. You just try and do what Paul did at the Areopagus in Acts. That's when he went to uh, Athens. He tries to get them to see that you're trying to worship, but you're not worshiping this, the right one. And I'm here, he says, I'm here to show you the, the, who the unknown God is. And then he uses their quotes from their own poets that were all his offspring. Which, what does that do? That's equating their humanity to his. Are you with me here? This is so important because when you cross cultures to witness pe to people, you're always going to run up against the religious background of those peoples. Well, we serve this God here. And if you look at the Bible, they talked about, I think, I can't remember the king, but... One group came and invaded the children of Israel, and they said, well, their God is the God of the hills, so let's get them in the valley. You remember that story? And God says, because they said I'm the God of the hills, I'm going to show you that I'm going to destroy them in the valley, so they know that I'm the God of the hills and valleys, the hills and valleys. That's where you get that song from. The God of the hills and the valleys. God is not a, he doesn't own a piece of territory. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. So you're going to inevitably run into people that have different beliefs, but we have to remember that God loves the person, but he wants to get their eyes to see that they need a savior. And it's only when we recognize and respect who they are that we can bring them out. Look, think about the world that we live in. Most of the, the world is not, and he does not believe in equality of, as, as, as America does, or the Western. The concept of women voting, it wasn't even foreign in America until the 1900s. But all of a sudden, we understood that if everybody was given by, every person was created and given these inalienable rights, sooner or later, if you believe that, you have to give it to everybody. <laughs> huh? Because you, you raise everybody up to the same level. So you can't then turn, them, turn around and pull them back down. That was the whole civil rights movement. That was the whole slavery movement. If we believe that all men are created equal, then how can we justify treating them in an unequal manner? So slavery was abolished. For most people don't even know this, but for the North states, slavery was abolished when the Constitution was ratified. For that same principle, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. So the Northern said, well, we can't have slavery. This contradicts our very preamble. So they outlawed slavery, but the South 
And because they wanted the 13 colonies, they allowed them to keep the slaves. But the principle continued to haunt them. And so that's what brought on the Civil War. Because it's sooner or later, one had to give up, give way to the other. But it was the idea that everybody's created equal that kicked the doors of inequality down. But if you go to other countries, women are just treated like dogs for the most part. That's why most people think, well, if I have three or four wives, what difference does it make? <laughs> you know, they, they're just property. I need them to work my fields. And they say stuff like that. So if you don't respect people, it's very difficult to get them out of the, the uh, predicament that they're in. That's why God, when he shines his light of revelation about relationships, he, he raises you up so you can see what he's trying to say. Amen? He says that you're fearfully and wonderfully made. That's why you were not made to worship idols. You're made to serve the living God. And he is the one that wants to come and bring you to himself. This is all about relationships. But it starts with understanding the value that each human being has. Amen? Let's go on and, and read, and this will, then we'll be done here. We're told to, to, we must love everyone. We've re read uh, love your neighbor as yourself a couple of times. Matthew 7, 12 is the, what we call the... Um, the golden rule. So let's read that and then we're going to read Luke and then we'll be done today. So Matthew 7, 12 says this. Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. So this is what we call the golden rule. Do unto others as they, you would have them do unto you. But the world is not satisfied with that, so they change those rules. I heard the one, one rule said, do unto the others as you would have them do to your family. <laughs> or the one who has the gold makes the rules. <laughs> That's, that is the world's golden rule. He who has the gold makes the rules. But those are pollutions of what we just read. They're trying to change it to fit the fallen nature of human beings because everybody doesn't always want people to do right by them because they don't want to do right by others. So, but they do think that you would probably want your family to be treated right, so they try to do it. No, get the right view of you first, and then you will understand that you need to treat people like you would have people treat you. Amen? And then in uh, Luke 10, we, we read the, what we commonly refer to as the, the Good Samaritan story. So we're going to close with this because Jesus was asked this very question in this story. So 1027 says this. So he answered Jesus and said, you shall love the Lord your God 
with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, yes, have, you have answered rightly. Do this, and you ha will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, this is the person that asked Jesus the question, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Everybody says, who is my neighbor? So Jesus says, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, certain, a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Maybe he had uh, COVID. <laughs> he walked on. He wanted to keep six feet, huh? Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. Hmm. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and he, when he saw him, he had compassion, and he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of him and whatever more you spend when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these were three of, do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, he who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. So this tells us what it means to be a neighbor. Somebody's down, you don't ignore them. You go out of your way to try to help get them back on their feet. Now, let me, let me just go through the background of this story just a little bit. I think I've done this before, but let's, let's talk about the Levite and the priest. First of all, if they were on their way to Jerusalem, we all know that the priest could not minister in the temple if they touched a dead body. Okay, you guys know that from the Old Testament. You, had, you, you, you were unclean if you touched a dead body. So you, they have a legitimate reason why they, they, they couldn't touch dead bodies, but this is the problem. They didn't stop to find out if he was dead. <laughs> so had they checked, they would have seen he wasn't dead. It would have been a violation. So they could have helped him. But they were too busy, worried about their, everybody say, starts with a J, their jobs. Instead of worrying about people. The man's dying on the street. And they're worried about making sure they get to work on time. Are you hearing me? That's how we are. That's how, that's how you leave the, the ones that are in need. That's how we don't minister because we're, we're, in, we're in a rush. We got to get to do what we got to do. But Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. Respect the humanity, the, the image of God in every person. And that'll get us to have the compassion that Jesus showed. And it also... <clears throat> will get you to pray for people that need his touch, whether it's healing, 
salvation, whatever it is, but it makes you pray for people because you want to see God's image bearer be reconciled to God. Amen? Amen. All right, I'm done. But this is the beginning of relationships. This is how God created us and how we're supposed to function amongst each other. And it's because we don't see this that we have the chaos that is behind all racial prejudice and you name it, division. Division is not always racial. Division is just the devil. <laughs> Let me just put it that way. Because the Bible says that he comes to divide. He, or he, the Bible says God is not the author of confusion. So when you know that he didn't author it, the only other author is the enemy. So when you see confusion, know that God is not behind it. So pray that the spirit of that confusion be broken and lifted off of people. Amen? All right, so we're done. So um, Jane said that, well, we prayed for the people last night, and Jane said, well, we didn't get to pray for you and Anna, so we're going to open ourselves up to being prayed for this morning after we take the offering. So um, that's what we'll be doing after this. So let's pray for the offering and then. We thank you for listening to today's sermon. And we pray that you are impacted to become the new creation that God desires. We at New Creation Christian Center invite you to come join us for service Saturday at 7 p.m. or Sunday at 11 a.m. located at 5150. South Cloverdale Street, Seattle, Washington. Also, feel free to visit us online at newcreationwa.org. New Creation Christian Center, the path to genuine life, where you can come as you are and be transformed by the Word of God.